0: This morning, our Old Testament reading is from the prophet Isaiah, the 55th chapter. Isaiah, as he speaks to the people of God, reminds them that we're often not going to understand God. Uh, His ways are higher than our ways, and so we let God be God, so to speak, and we hear his name and rejoice in. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For our epistle reading today, we hear from uh, Paul's letter to the Philippian church, the first chapter this is one of Paul's letters that we refer to as prison epistles, which means that Paul is imprisoned as he writes these letters to the churches. Uh, there's a few other churches that he writes to while he's in prison. He's in prison because he's been preaching the name of Christ. And there are those who um, don't like that because he changes the dynamic of the communities and he, and he, he causes uprising against idol worship And so he's in prison, and yet he still writes these letters of hope because he knows that whether he is freed or whether he dies, all things serve Christ, and Christ will care for him whether he lives now or whether he dies and goes and lives with him. St. Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For I know that for prayers and the help, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise as we hear from the Gospel. The Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the 20th. Chapter Glory to You, O Lord. Jesus tells a parable of a vineyard owner who continually hires people to come and work in his vineyard, and yet he pays them all the same, regardless of how many hours they worked. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, "'Because no one has hired us.' He said to them, "'You go into the vineyard too.' And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "'Call the laborers and pay them their wages, "'beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them also received a denarius." Each of them, they received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came... They thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius?" Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think everyone knows what it feels like to be the new person. Whether it's starting at a new school when you're young, or going off to college. Whether it's starting a new job and being the low person on the totem pole. Maybe moving into a new town or community. Even a new church when you got married, being the new relative. It's not easy, is it? It's not easy to be somebody on the outside trying to break into a community or a group that already has history, a group that already has understanding, a group that already seems to already be complete. It's not easy to break into organizations, groups, and communities because when we've spent a good amount of time belonging to a group, it's easy to become insular, to become insulated. To not desire things from the outside to come in, because if things from the outside come in, it might change the nature or the makeup of what we got going here. And so it's a fish-out-of-water feeling that a person has as they reach out and try to become part of something that's already established. Because each group has its own history, its own memories, the things it talks about, its own slang and vocabulary. It has its own rules that that sometimes are spoken, but sometimes they're not. I think most of us, at times, have been on both sides of this struggle. We've been the new person, uncomfortable, unsure, trying to figure out what's going on, and we've also been the the person who's an established member of a group. We're comfortable with the way things are, and we're not necessarily looking for change. Unfortunately, this can happen within our churches, and I would say churches are probably one of the most stereotypical places that it does happen, because a church is about acceptance of God's people of sinners in need of forgiveness. But after we've spent years of putting an offering, years of serving on boards, maybe teaching Sunday school, years of taking our time to build up our church, we begin to feel an ownership of it. Not that that ownership is wrong. I, I think it's, it's a very healthy thing to feel ownership of your church and, and to say, I want my church to, to grow and to thrive. I want my church to survive in this world. But it makes it difficult for a new person to come in and be a part of a congregation. Even more so, you know, the church doesn't function or should function the same way the rest of the world does. The rest of the world functions on a principle of scarcity. We have only so many resources, and we need to allocate them. That's called economy and economics, and we're not going to get into that. But the general idea being, there's only, there is a finite number of things, and we can only give you them out so much. But what the church has is an infinite amount of God's grace. An unending amount of God's love and forgiveness. And it can be, and is, given freely. That's why Jesus tells this parable today of a a master of a vineyard. Now Jesus is not giving economic advice here. Please note. He's not saying this is how a business is run. In fact, it, is, it sounds a ridiculous way to run a business because it is, but it's how God works. The master of a vineyard hires laborers for his vineyard, as you would expect anybody who has work to be done. And he offers them a fair wage, a denarius a day. And throughout the day, though, every few hours, he goes out and he grabs a few more, and he grabs a few more. The way that they, they told time in those days was that the first hour of the day was the day of the, the moment of sunrise, and the twelfth hour of the day was the moment of sunset. So as, as this parable goes around along, it says, you know, Uh, The third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, go to the vineyard and whatever is right, I will pay you. And then the sixth hour and the ninth hour. So the day is progressing. And he goes all the way to the eleventh hour. 21 hour of work left. And he says, you go into the vineyard too. And when the day is over, he also does something that is not customary. He doesn't pay those... Who came first, he pays those who came last, and he gives a full day's payment to the workers who worked only for one hour. Understandably, if thinking in the way this world works, those who worked for 12 hours thought we should get more. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius, And here's the crux of, the, of why the, the master does what he does. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. You see, the way of the world is when you have work that needs doing, you hire somebody to do it. But the way the master of this vineyard works is he hires people not to get his work done, but so that he can give his generosity. So that he can provide for those who need providing for. And that is the way God works for us. He doesn't call us because God has a certain amount of work that needs to be done. And if you just get it done, I will make sure you get paid back. He hires us as his people. He gives us faith in him because he wants us to enjoy his riches. To enjoy his treasure. To enjoy his grace. The grace that is literally undeserved, unearned love. A love that comes to us freely and abundantly and unlimited from the cross of Christ. We don't need to keep a tally in order to see how much God owes us. We don't need to keep an attendance sheet to figure out whether or not our mansion will be bigger in heaven than somebody else's. We don't need a ledger of goods and bads that we have done. God provides his forgiveness without reservation, Without prerequisites, without a certain amount of time needed to put in to receive his love. So, what God offers to us, what God gives to us, is a complete and utter and unending and unlimited forgiveness and grace. Whether this is our first hour here or whether this is our hundredth year worshiping him, he receives or he gives to us and we receive the same thing. Now, to the world, this doesn't look right. Because we've all seen those, those pay schedules. You've been here for a year, you receive this amount. You've been here for 15, you receive this amount. Or if you're a part of an organization, you've served here for so long, you, you now achieve this rank, or you're part of this organization, and that's how the world works, and so it should. But that's not the way God works. In fact, did you hear that when Isaiah spoke the words of God to people? He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And we need no more proof than that, than to look at the cross and see what God's idea of victory, what God's idea of salvation is, looks utterly foolish to our world. The idea of a bloody and beaten son of God hung upon a cross dying doesn't look like victory at all. But what he does there is declares victory over sin, death, and the devil as he receives the entirety of the punishment we have deserved. As he receives the entirety of the damnation we've earned, what we truly have earned Not God's grace, but God's wrath. And he visits it entirely in his own son. So he can give us the grace earned by Christ. So he can give us the forgiveness that comes without limits. The forgiveness that comes to the first and to the last. The forgiveness for those who have spent Years and years and years in his word and those who have heard it now. We have a hope that it's not about the work we've put in. But it's about the work that he's completed. That he has died and rose again for you and for me. So that we can live in his grace, unlimited, unfettered, and without any kind of merit or worthiness in me to gain it. So we rejoice and know that the master has not called us because he needs us. He has called us because he wants to be generous. And he wants to give his love of forgiveness and life everlasting. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.